Welcome to this week's Close the Chapter podcast. I am beyond thrilled to have this conversation about healing and wisdom and just life's journey with a former spine surgeon and he's channeling his wisdom into helping other people find this freedom and this flow and this ease in life. And I am excited to um, introduce Dr. Krishna. I would love for you to tell the audience a little bit about yourself and how you ended up doing this work. You know, all of us who are listening, I believe deep down we're the same human being. So I regard myself as an ordinary human being. And I used to be a spine surgeon for about 30 years. And I was just moved by the suffering of children and, well, adults everywhere. And I thought if we could share with them this or help them connect with their own wisdom, which comes from a deeper understanding of themselves, not only could they help transform, that could help transform their own lives, but it could make the world a better place. So I wrote a couple of books. One's called Understanding Me, Understanding You. The other one's called Stress-Free. I worked with children for five years and discovered they already had this wisdom. And I thought if we could bottle this understanding and share it with the world, we could change the future of humanity. I really think so. So we set up the Human Wisdom Project. We built the Human Wisdom app, which is out there. And um, this magic comes from something really simple, which is just looking and learning about yourself. And let's see where that conversation goes. I'm looking forward to it. I am as well. How did you decide that you were going to retire? Would you say you retired from being a brain surgeon after 30 years? Well, I left medicine. I, you know, it it feels like a calling. I don't know if you've ever felt that calling inside that you keep thinking somebody else is going to step up, some politician, some leader, some famous person. But now I realize the problems of the world are not going to be solved by politicians. They're going to be solved by people like you and me, ordinary Joes, right? We're going to transform our own lives. That's the best and most amazing thing we can do. And that is going to cause this ripple effect and change the world. Where do people start? Because you kind of alluded to this idea that children already have this within themselves. Where do people begin to access? Okay, so that's a very good question. By the way, adults have it too. You and I, every human being has it. Let me put it differently. Everyone has the ability to learn to swim. You know, if you've got two arms and two legs, you can. Then once you decide you want to learn to swim, (laughs) then the door opens and there are lots of possibilities. First thing you've got to do is learn how people are swimming, maybe. Then you've got to get in the water and start. No amount of reading books about swimming is going to teach you how to swim, right? So it's really simple. You begin with nature. Nature is the greatest teacher. You learn to look at a bird flying across the sky and just notice the detail. Or you stop at a tree and 
notice. And don't name the tree, just notice. Like an oak tree has 2,800 species living in it. And we don't even notice one if we walk past it, right? Just as you notice a tree or a bird, you can notice a thought or a feeling. So there are only three steps to this journey to wisdom. The first is to notice, I'm angry, for example. The second is to accept or to suspend judgment. It's not somebody else's fault. It's not my fault. I'm just curious. What's going on here? And the third step is what opens the door to wisdom, is to ask a question. What's going on in my mind to make me feel this way? So observe, accept, and ask a question to yourself. And it's really that simple. So it's the art of inquiry. And the Human Wisdom app has nine modules explaining how that's done. So when you ask yourself, why am I angry? Not Kristen has caused my anger because she didn't call me on my birthday or whatever. But why am I, what's going on in my thinking to make me angry? And then I realize I'm hurt. Right? Why am I hurt? I'm hurt because an expectation has not been met. But I didn't know that in the beginning. Where did that expectation come from? Ah, it's come from me. Right? So am I the cause of my own anger? But again, we're suspending judgment. We're just observing and learning. So I realize my expectations are behind my feeling of being hurt, which then caused my anger which caused then more problems for me in life, right? So now I'm going to ask where my expectations come from. Then I realize they come from my many conditioning influences. I've grown up, whatever culture I grew up in, I grew up with expectations that are norms for that culture. And I meet someone who's different. <laughs> you can see the reaction <laughs> because I become attached to my conditioning I'm not even aware I'm conditioned, right? Shall I tell you a story which explains this beautifully? Yes. When I first got, when I came from India, I came with two bits of conditioning. The first is I should look after my parents as they got older. Okay. Everybody in the country does that. The second is that women should do all the housework and the cooking. Right. You can imagine how much conflict that caused, right? But if you had challenged me, I would give you a hundred reasons why I'm right and you're wrong, right? Because everybody, I would just hang out with people who believed the same thing I did, right? And I'd look down on people who were different. I'd say, oh, they don't have no, you know, whatever. I'd be critical. But the day I woke up and realized that my thoughts and my feelings and my actions come from my unconscious conditioning influences, which I wasn't aware of. And yet I'd become attached to them. And I just asked a simple question. How does this conditioning impact my life? Can I question it? And then I realized it's really good to look after my parents. They looked after me, it's normal. And I did till they passed. But then you realize 
it makes no sense to expect women to do all the work, right? It's not logical. So what I mean is the understanding does all the work of bringing the change. So as soon as you see something clearly, your life changes. And so it just dropped away. Nobody needed to force me to change. You see, because it comes from the inside, the ch change occurs naturally. And this journey, we've just taken one example of anger, conditioning, but you can take the same process and apply it to everything else. How did you wake up, so to speak, and had this realization that this was conditioning? Okay, so I, from the youngest age, was curious about myself. Why do I think this way? I remember when I was 18, I had lots of friends. I remember cycling one day and I feeling lonely. And I said, why am I feeling lonely? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm surrounded by so many people. And then, of course, you begin a journey of reading. And once you're curious, you realize everything I'm saying, by the way, isn't new. It's as old as the hills. There are people before me and who come after me who've said the same thing. The key is to begin walking yourself, to ask yourself those questions, to look inside yourself. You see what we take this example. Here's a glass of water. And here are a thousand books that tell you what water tastes like. <laughs> that water is wisdom. Most of us are content to read the books and repeat them and become experts and teach others what's in the books. But we never discover it for ourselves. Right? It's like trying to learn to swim by reading a book about it. It doesn't work. So the simplest way of looking and learning, what's going on? Begin with nature observe, accept, ask a question, learn. And if you have a mind that's curious, open to learning, passionate about understanding, you the book you can do it yourself. You don't need anyone else. How does fear play into it? Because for example, the swimming metaphor. So someone has fear. And yes. fear becomes the block, which I work with a lot of people with a lot of fears. Yes, yes, I agree. Okay, so this is a really interesting thing. So say I'm afraid, okay? And then I come up with the idea that I don't want to be afraid. So I try not to be afraid. I read all the books about fear. I go to everyone and... But no matter what I do, I can't fix it. See? The wisdom approach says, let go of the ideal of trying not to be afraid. Let's explore it in the same way. What do I notice? I'm afraid, right? I accept it's coming from me. And then I ask a question. What's going on in my thinking that creates this fear? And then I realize, ah, it's just overthinking. It's a thought process. It's thinking that creates fear. So thinking can't fix it. As Einstein said, right? The same mind that creates the problem can't fix that problem. All right. So then I say, right, 
I'm overthinking and that's what's causing. Um, so then I, I'm going to study the nature of fear. I'm going to actually study fear, not the particular cause of it. I'm going to study fear itself. What do I? What can I learn about fear? Then I learn so many things that my mind exaggerates. It imagines things that don't exist. When I talk to children, I said, how many of your fears come to pass? And they said, I can't think of one. <laughs> you know, that's actually happened. The thing that happened, I wasn't even thinking it would happen. But And so when you ask a 10-year-old girl, what's the root cause of fear? She said, it's your imagination playing up. Or the answer to fear then is acceptance. So suppose I'm afraid I'm going to get cancer. I don't have cancer now, but I'm afraid I'm going to get cancer. If my mind can fully accept, yes, okay. If it happens, you'll deal with it. <laughs> you know? Because the mind that worries, as you know, doesn't worry about one thing. It worries about a thousand things. But we think the answer lies in fixing those thousand things we're afraid of. But actually, the answer lies in understanding the root, the underlying process behind our fear, right? as you know. So if you can accept whatever may happen. Or the other game I used to play with children, which is actually really good for adults too, is to have three buckets. Bucket one is you put your fears that have very rare chance of happening, like planes falling out of the sky. So you can forget about those, right? Or fears that are inevitable, like dying. Mm -hmm. So you have to accept death. Otherwise, you're going to spend your whole life worrying about it. Then there's a bucket that's left, which is things that may happen that you could do something about. And those you can, like if you're sitting in an exam, you're going to fail. You just work hard at it. So that's the other way. So there's so many different ways we could deal with it. But it, all this comes from a deeper understanding of what's happening in our own thinking. Right. How much do you think fear, if we're looking at wisdom and blocks and working through to get to flow, like a flow state, how much, because we know, do you think is rooted in the past trauma? Because we know the body remembers everything. Yes, yes. So I'm going to introduce your listeners to a really strange idea. But it has the potential to heal all past trauma. And it begins with a bird flying across the sky. Just as you watch a bird fly across the sky without thinking, just noticing, being with, or take a flower, or a tree. If you can be with a flower or a tree completely without thinking, right, then you can meet a feeling of pain without thinking. Now you don't know it, but it's your thinking that is the oxygen that keeps all these feelings alive. Because behind every feeling is a thought. Don't believe me? Okay. Say you're anxious or you're worried or whatever it is you're feeling. When 60 minutes, watch your favorite football game. 
You have no trauma, no pain, no anxiety because your mind is distracted. The moment you think about that again, the whole thing comes back. So it's linked to thinking. So if you can learn this skill, which is again in the app, to look without language, if you can learn this skill of looking, of being with something without thinking, the pain dissolves, just like that. And it doesn't come back because you've seen clearly the link between your past and the present. Right? And you realize life, the gift of life is only in the now. It's only in the present. If you aren't present in your own life, then are you really alive? You know what I mean? Yeah. Of course, trauma is going to occur to all of us, right? That's life. That's, but if we can bring our attention to the present, but to do that, we need to understand why we don't, why the mind finds it difficult. And for that, you need to explore and understand conditioning, identity, right? Because our identity gets tied up with our conditioning. I'm American, I'm from the Midwest, I'm from, I'm Catholic, whatever religion you are. I'm black, white, brown, and so on. So our mind loves to identify itself with its conditioning. And pain is part of our conditioning. Got it? Mm -hmm. So whatever we... Belong, there's a belonging there. Correct. There's an mm -hmm. attachment. Mm-hmm. So we also become attached to our pain and it becomes our identity. We wear it as a cloak. We want to see how, you know, I want sympathy. I want external validation for how much I've suffered. It becomes the me. Once you see that clearly and you can see what, it's not you. It's what your mind is doing to you. And it's not your mind again. It's the mind. The human mind's the same, right? So everywhere in the world, it's the same. Whether you're in India, you know, in America or in Argentina, the human mind is the same. This is what our mind is doing to us. We identify with our past and our pain, and we become attached to it. We don't want to let it go, right? Because we think so, it protects us from future hurts. We're not even sure why. It's just it's an attachment to everything that's in my memory. See? So if I want to be free of that pain and live with joy right now, and there's one more reason. The deepest human need is love, right? There's no deeper human need than love. Now, the mind that is in pain, call it trauma, whatever, stressed, anxious, doesn't matter, angry. <laughs> the mind that's in pain is preoccupied with its own suffering, right? We, we think about ourselves most of the time anyway, but if your mind is in pain, there's a fire in your brain, all your attention is on that fire. How much space is left to think about another person? There's no space to be considerate, to be loving, to be kind, 
And if you are not loving, considerate, and kind, and caring, you're not going to get that back. And the lack of love just aggravates your own suffering. You see that? It's a loop that gets aggravated. So that's why this wisdom is so crucial. Because it allows you to live with joy in the present and deal with all this stuff that happens in our head. Because our mind does that to us, right? All our emotions and our traumas and this and that and so on. The clarity, it's like shining a light. And that light dispels the darkness. But you are the light. You can shine it into the darker corners of your thinking. See? That's yeah, well, the beauty of it. It is It is powerful. One of the things I've been working on is unattaching hmm. to outcomes, to really trying to, not in a, in a defensive way, in a freedom way. So can hmm. you talk about attachments and the yeah. process of what that does to us if we those attachments and how to break free of them? You know, the Buddha said that suffering, all human suffering is caused by attachment. And it's clear to see why. If I'm attached to you, you're my wife, you die, I suffer. I'm attached to a pet, the pet dies, I suffer. I'm attached to my car, it has an accident, I suffer. You know, Children. So, children, anything. I'm attached to my position. I'm attached to my identity as a great spine surgeon. When someone criticizes me, I suffer, right? Or someone criticizes you, you're not a you're a useless psychotherapist. <laughs> See what I mean? But the question that's much more important is what makes the mind attached? Right? And I'd like all your listeners to ponder that. What's going on in our thinking that makes us attached to things? And if you really spend time with it, you'll realize that we get attached to anything where our emotional needs are met. Right? That's, root, that's the essence of it's rooted in unmet needs, in my opinion. Right. right? Mm-hmm. Now, by the way, these emotional needs are not yours uniquely. They're human. It's part of being human. So the next, and what are these needs? Well, to be listened to, to be understood, to, for love, for affection, for security, all of that. And the paradox is we have a need to be listened to, but not the same need to listen. <laughs> a need to be understood, but not the same need to understand. The need to be loved, but not the same need to love others. Right. So it's an imbalance. We never say, I'm looking for someone to give my love to. You say, I'm looking for love. Right? It's the way the mind is wired, that's all. It's not being critical. The first thing we have to do on this journey of learning, suspend criticism on judgment. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we have these emotional needs. Where do they come from? That's the other question. Where do our emotional needs come from? So when a need is met, what happens? It makes us feel good inside, right? Secure. Right? 
Okay, now here's the real key question. We've gone deeper, right? We started out with suffering. Then we found it was linked to attachment. Then we said attachment comes from emotional needs, right? And we discussed that. When we're saying, what, what, when an emotional need is, is met, what happens? We say, ah, we feel good inside. So here's the key question. Why don't we feel good inside anyway? What's going on to not make us feel good inside? That then we need something from the outside to fill that space. And that something is when our emotional needs are met. And you can see from that comes suffering, attachment. But if you go to the heart of it, the heart of it is, I don't feel good inside. Now that. You can use whatever words you want for that. When I talk to children, they call it inner boredom. Somebody else said the void. Somebody else said uh, inner loneliness. Um, doesn't matter what word you use. Right? No matter what word you use, it's not going to tell you what water tastes like. Mm -hmm. right? But as being human, you know that feeling. Right? You know it because... It comes also after the great high. You've won a competition. You've passed an exam. You've got the job. You've got married. Your child's done really well in sports. Doesn't matter what the high is. You bought a new car. You won the lottery. After the great high comes the great emptiness. Just look at it in yourself. It's there. So that is the human journey is to understand this feeling of emptiness within that we carry as human beings, which our mind is constantly escaping from, which is why we seek external validation and all of those things. It's not wrong, by the way. It's just we're curious what's going on. And I can share the wisdom of a 13-year-old girl. And I said to her, so what's the answer to our inner boredom? There's a group of children. I've got this recorded on video, so you're welcome to watch it. The question often opens the door to wisdom. So I'm just sitting there listening and waiting. And this class of children, 10 and 12-year-olds, just sitting. In, and then suddenly you can see some light go off inside her head. And she said, if I stay with my inner boredom, it goes away. Mm -hmm. right? So if we can take that journey inwards, come to that space where we have this feeling of emptiness, the void, whatever word you use, lonely, bored, and you can meet that feeling without language, like watching a bird fly across the sky. It dissolves into peace. And then from that peace, that's the deepest peace the heart knows. Every, and from that sense of peace, all your needs dissolve because you want nothing more. Call it, give it whatever word you want, it doesn't matter. But you have to find out for yourself. 
And it's within the grasp of every human to live with that deepest sense of peace. And the, it's an indescribable sense of grace, of beauty, of love. Mm -hmm. It's all one word. But to reach that point, you have to first uncover all the things that get in the way and take this journey of learning about yourself, right? which is wisdom in the way. Yes, I agree with that. How do you get past more sustainable ways of getting out of criticism and judgment, not only to our own self, but to others? Like, How do we transcend that in a more long-term way? Because we can do that in little bits. Okay. Again, let's start with the simple thing, right? Start with, I am criticized. I'm feeling hurt. I'm blaming Kristen for hurting me. I'm going to suspend judgment for now. I'm going to go on this journey of learning about criticism. I accept it's my reaction, so I need to learn about it. What's going on in my thinking? First of all, what's going on in Kirsten's thinking to make me to make her criticize me? Why am I critical of other people, for example? Why do I feel hurt when I'm criticized? They're two different things. So the first one is simpler. Why do why am I critical of others? Look at parents and children. You can see if you stand in a room and just watching, some parents are just like on a constant stream of criticism up to their children, not realizing the impact and the hurt it's causing. It's occurring automatically. So we're all conditioned, right? My mind automatically, unconsciously, without my awareness, is comparing what it sees in the world with what it knows. Right? It's doing that unconsciously, automatically, all the time. And anything it finds that's different, it's critical of. Now, it might express the criticism if it's a child, but if it's your boss, you may not. You might just keep it to yourself, right? Or you might just tell, you know, your friend after uh, over drinks. So that's what's going on in our thinking when we are critical of others. It's an automatic process, which is not to say that being critical is not important, but you have to ask yourself, is it for you or for them? <laughs> because every time I'm critical of you, it strengthens my conditioning of what I regard as right. Got it? And it strengthens the me, the sense of I, it gives a little kick to the ego. Ah, you know, it reaffirms that. So when people are critical of us, that's what's going on in their thinking. So you have to wake up to that. So their criticism of you is more a reflection of them and what's happening in their thinking than their, your reality in your life. Having said that, if you said to me, Manoj, you know, you could be a better surgeon or a better orator or a better whatever speaker if you did this. And I'd say, Kristen, thank you very much. I really appreciate that. That's going to help me grow and be a better person. If what you said to me 
I look at it and I think that's not true, then I'll just leave it alone. Okay? But the reason we get hurt is something slightly different. The reason we get hurt is because unconsciously we build up these images of ourselves. So say I'm a speaker, founder of the Human Wisdom Project, and someone comes along and says, Manoj, you're a terrible dancer. I'll just laugh, say, you're absolutely right. <laughs> I've got two left feet. Can you, can you teach me to dance? I'd love it if you could teach me to dance. I'm a terrible dancer. Someone else comes along and says, Manoj, you're not a good speaker, you know. Why? I get hurt. Instantly hurt. I hate you. I'm not going to talk to you again. Why is the difference? Because I have an unconscious image of myself as a great speaker and a wise man. And I don't have an image of myself as a dancer. See? I'm not even... A, this is happening unconsciously. This is what I mean. My mind is doing this to me. Then I realize I go around trying to fish for compliments. I go around, you know, I'm looking for the likes on the soft when I put the posts out. Oh, great talk, great this, great, this, you know. And it keeps reinforcing because it brings that sense of pleasure, again, rooted in the emptiness, etc. Right? So you realize that this is what your mind is doing to you that your own suffering is mostly caused by the way your mind is working, not your mind, the human mind. And shining a light into that space and going on this journey of learning about yourself not only helps you to live with joy and without suffering or with very little suffering, but it also does one more thing, which is really beautiful, and which the world needs, which is compassion. Right? Because deep down I see Kristen is the same human being that I am. My mind also operates from self-interest, from conditioning, from fear, from comparison. It's reactive. From our, my unmet emotional needs. Kristen is the same as me. <laughs> She is not aware of why she's saying this and behaving in this way. You know, when Jesus said, I'm not religious, but I love this line. Lord, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And nobody knows what they do because they have no awareness of what's happening in their own thinking. Right? They have no awareness of their own conditioning and all of those things, right? We think we're in charge of our lives, but we're not really. You know, our past is running it for us. So when I talk to children and I say, you've got two options. Do you want your unconscious past to run your life? Or do you want to be in charge of your own life? They all say, I want to be in charge. I said, then begin your journey to wisdom. Learn about yourself. And the beauty is, it's not coming from a book. There's no authority required. You just got to drink that glass of water. It's the same water everyone can drink from. Do you see what I mean? It's the same wisdom we can all tap into. How often do you go through suffering now? 
doing this work? Very rarely. Really rarely. Oh, if it's if it comes, it's so momentary. And every time suffering comes, it's an opportunity for learning about the roots of it in your own thinking. So suffering then becomes a gift almost. You know, ah, oh, where's that come from? What's going on? Oh, let me find out. And then I go, you know, ah, I'm still attached to this, or I'm attached to that conditioning, or I'm afraid of this might happen. And then I do the same work. I meet it without language, be with the fear which it rises, live with compassion, understand why people do or whatever, understand my own emotional needs, etc. Discover your own deep peace in yourself. And if you can access that, and I'm not saying it's always possible, but as you go on this journey, it becomes easier and easier. And if you can get to that point, there's no more suffering. <laughs> because you feel connected to everyone, the universe, you know, the world. You feel your place in it. And uh, as I said, no one can tell you what water tastes like. You have to find out for yourself. How did you learn this? This is what's intriguing to me. How did you learn this? Because it seems like every concept you're deconstructing. Yes. And you're breaking it down to the need. Like, where is this coming from? Yes. You know, I'd say it's like you and I are looking at the moon together. I don't own the moon. I didn't invent the moon. I'm, I wouldn't say I'm an expert on the moon at all. And if I say, hey, Kristen, there's these, you know, this, uh, these are the three things I learned when I saw the moon today. And you look at it, and it's only true if you see it yourself, right? <laughs> if you don't see it, you say, Manoj, you're telling porkies. And I say, I'm sorry. Yeah, okay, I'm telling porkies. But if you see it clearly yourself, then Manoj doesn't become important. See what I mean? Manoj says, here's a glass of water, and you just drink it. He knows he's not an authority. But if I write the book, which tells you what water tastes like, then I become important. I'm the authority. But then you might look at the moon and say, hey, Manoj, you didn't notice these other three things about the moon. I'll say, yeah, Kristen, I didn't notice that. Thank you so much. So we're looking and learning about the mind we humans share. Right? That's why it's called the Human Wisdom Project. It's not the Manoj Krishna Project. It's the Human Wisdom Project. So all of us can look and learn about the way our mind functions, can share it with each other, grow in wisdom. And together, we ordinary human beings can change the future of humanity. We could end war. If you want, I could take a minute to tell you how we could end, how this wisdom could end. Go for it. Yeah, share that. Okay. I'll give you, a, let's ignore the obvious ones, Russia, Ukraine, Republicans and Democrats, pro-gun, anti-gun, pro-abortion, anti-abortion. Take Belfast. You know, in Northern Ireland, there's a wall. It's called the Peace Wall. I don't know why. 
but it's a wall which used to divide the Catholics and Protestants. You say you're Catholic and Protestant. We grew up hating each other. We never ask why. And if my leader says, go and kill Kristen, I'll say, yeah, give me the gun. I'm ready. They tell me she's done, she's terrible. She's done bad things. I'm ready to come and kill you. And they did. Or your leader says, Kristen, go and kill Manoj. He's done bad things. You'll say, yeah, sure, give me the gun. And I asked this question of 10-year-olds. I said, if your leader tells you to do something, are you going to do it or are you going to ask why? This girl said, I'll just do it. I said, why? She said, nobody's asked me that question before. So the secret lies in asking the question. Why do I hate somebody I've never met? And the moment I ask that question, or we both ask that question, we realize it's just our unconscious conditioning on either side of that wall. I've been conditioned by one set of stories. You've been conditioned by another. And this conditioning comes from generation to generation. And yet we are attached to that, right? To those stories. I've just read a different storybook to you. But the process in you and me is the same. Right? Deep down, we're the same human being. My right hand would never go to war with my left hand because it's attached to the same body. So this journey of learning about ourselves awakens this compassion, this wisdom, and this deep realization that you are the same. We are all, not only you and I are the same human being, but we are the same living being as other living beings on the planet. The physicists are telling us that, right? The quantum physicists are saying, Einstein said, you're just a vibration, vibrating bundle of, uh, you know, atoms, and the same atoms are vibrating in that tree, right? So this realization could end war, could end violence, could end all division. Okay? The Republicans and Democrats in America, the, and so on, could also end addiction. Because addiction is not linked to drugs, alcohol, and food, or the phone. It's caused by human thinking. So asking what makes the human mind prone to addiction then opens the door to, again, a deeper learning. And in that deeper learning, you could the problem can be resolved. It's shining a light. You're into relationships, like all your... All your um, customer patients or clients come with relationship challenges. And again, asking that simple question. What makes human beings unsuccessful? What's going on in my thinking? <laughs> right? And again, it's the same thing. It's conditioning. I'm attached to how I want this world to be and where if you'd go on holiday, what pizza to order. And I want you to think like me because it makes me more comfortable. And you want the same. The moment we see that, there's peace. So there's a tremendous beauty in this. 
And there's a tremendous simplicity in this too. Right? You see that, right? And I hope your listeners do too, because it's something indescribably simple and beautiful at the same time. And I think as we're humans, we think simple might not feel simple to some at the beginning when you're learning to, I guess, explore and question and give yourself permission to do it. Because as children, a lot of times we weren't allowed to question why. It was threatening our belonging. It was threatening our safety and security. It was threatening our basic needs. Yes. Yes. So oftentimes when I work with clients, they're for the first time, this is scary to begin questioning everything, to begin exploring because the threat of not belonging, the threat of something bad happening, the threat of no longer feeling safe and secure in what they know feels scary so that they shut that down sometimes. Yes. Aldous Huxley said in 1963, most human beings are content to live with their suffering because they're frightened of looking at themselves. So exactly what you're saying. And the main thing to communicate to all listeners, the swimming is not so hard. <laughs> you know, or learning a musical instrument. You don't have to be frightened. On the other side of your fear lies freedom, lies joy, lies beauty, lies the end of suffering. And uh, that's working with those thoughts, it's working with the thoughts of I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid of something bad happening. Yes. I'm afraid of because something might have bad, quote unquote, right? Bad happened. They lost children. They lost a loved one. They had a tragedy happen, a natural disaster or something. And they're afraid of going through the pain again. Yes. But here, look, all we're doing is looking and learning about ourselves. We already exist. It's already in there. All we're doing is looking and learning and uncovering one layer after the other to connect with the wisdom that's already there in us, in you and me, in every human being. And we're here to make that journey simple and easy for you. There are people in the world. There's, human Wisdom Project is one, but there are others. There's yourself, right? And so the Human Wisdom app, for example, if you don't want to see someone, you can do it in your own home, in the privacy. You know, you just start your journey of learning. And we hold your hand, we walk you through step by step. Um, and there's no authority. That's the fantastic beauty of this. I don't have to put anybody on a pedestal or be controlled by anybody, right? I don't have to belong anywhere. I can be do this at home in my time. And all I'd say is, take the first step. It's often the hardest one. You know, I met an Aboriginal elder when I was training in spine surgery in Australia. He had this beautiful black face, thick skin, gleaming eyes with light. I was a young man. I said, what advice would you have for a young man? to starting out in the world. I was under 30, I think. And he said, traveler, there's no path. Paths are made by walking. 
So if you want to be free of suffering, you've got to take the first step. I love you that. You have to do the walking. It's the truth. It's the truth. Yes. You have to do the walking. Nobody can walk for you. Nobody can learn to swim for you. Nobody can get in that water for you. Yes, there are coaches, there are helpers, but first, get in the water. Start learning. And as Rumi said, just come away from this field of your own suffering. Come to this other field where you're just looking and learning without judgment. And you'll find this beauty for yourself. It's beautiful. How do people find more about you and the Human Wisdom Project in the app? Can you share a little bit about that? Okay. If anyone's interested. Sure. So you could find me on LinkedIn. It's Manoj Krishna. I think... Um, the Human Wisdom Project is just humanwisdom.me. The app, Human Wisdom is one word, is on the Apple and Google Store. The two books I wrote are on Amazon. Uh, first is called Understanding Me, Understanding You, An Inquiry into Being Human. That's the tagline. And the second book was published this few months ago. It's called Stress-Free. And the tagline is, understand yourself, discover wisdom, be free. I love and that. By the way, I take no ownership of any of these ideas or they're as old as the hills. Because the moment you make yourself an authority, then someone else thinks, oh, I can't do this. It's not for me. I'm just an ordinary Joe. Right? But you don't need a degree to learn to swim. <laughs> you know, you don't need to have been able, even able to read and write to appreciate a tree and to, to feel the beauty of a sunrise in your heart. Right? Similarly, this journey of looking and learning about yourself is really simple. In fact, it's so simple that our educated minds get in the way. For sure. So for those who are interested, there are lots of resources available. And they're deliberately, we've kept the cost of everything right down just so that it's accessible by everyone. And every human being has this ability or opportunity to discover this wisdom for themselves, change their lives and make the world a better place. Thank you so much for the work you're doing in the world, in your heart, in your energy. I so appreciate you and our talk today and your time. Thank you so Thank very you. much. Thank you. No, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.